0: Welcome to Worker Movement, a podcast dedicated to the working class, a podcast dedicated to raising class consciousness. This podcast is for you, for us, for the worker.
1: On this episode, we're going to discuss the intersection between fascism and neoliberalism. And we're going to start with a quote from the founder of fascism, Benito Mussolini, whose life ended against a brick wall in 1945. He stated that fascism should more appropriately be called corporatism because it is a merger of state and corporate power. In this quote, we have two spectrums of power. They're
0: defined as corporate power and state power. Additionally, we should also point out that in this podcast, we have defined neoliberalism as democratically controlled fascism. And there's a reason why we say it. And this is actually the theory as to why we're stating it over and over again. Because essentially what you've done is you've married the state power with the corporate power and you end up with this gross, violent thing, which is neoliberalism. But before that, like, what is corporatism? What is a corporation?
1: Our generic definition that we're going to use is not a legal definition. It's more of just a abstract statement of what we're going to call this concept. It's an autonomous entity that acts through an expression of their members. So this is intentionally vague. It includes a lot of things. The idea is that the governance rules for each corporation are different. They don't have to be the same. You're still a corporation if your members do things and act through the corporate entity. The idea is that every corporation attempts to achieve some objective as defined by their membership. So under capitalism, you typically think about corporations being profit-seeking and their prime objective is to make money. And that's true. You're not wrong. But corporations also exist with different objectives. So the point of a corporation is that the objectives are defined by the membership of the corporation.
0: It's a private group essentially that meets has meetings, right? There's a shareholder meeting. That's that's a publicly traded corporation which a lot of people think about. But things like the Boy Scouts of America's troop. The troop itself isn't necessarily legally a corporation, but the group gets together, they define their own rules, they do stuff as an active members, they pay dues to one another, they go out and they benefit from one another. So in fact they act like a corporation. And that's the same thing as nonprofits have board members that you may you may be a board member or something but you know there's rules that are put in place anything that's chartered normally like an hoa any any llc's normally that have stocks or whatever shared out to them where they have rules in place i mean there's a lot of things that fall underneath this umbrella but again the ones with the most power the ones we're going to talk about today are in general large capital holding corporations
1: if we frame different political ideologies On this spectrum of corporate power versus state power, there's four basically squares. You have two variables. One square, we have what we're going to call conservative, and this is a weak state where corporations are strong, and corporations are strong because the intention is that the state does not interfere with corporations
0: then we have neoliberalism which desires a stronger state so that they have power to explicitly defer authority to corporations essentially it's that's why we call it democratically controlled fascism the neoliberal wants to have the state to rein in corporations but also then use the corporations to do what's called the public good
1: then we have socialism or communism which is a strong state but no corporations
0: then we have anarchism uh, which is a weak state with no corporations it's essentially a, a tribalistic mentality so the key takeaway from these
1: ideologies
0: is that two of them very
1: explicitly enforce pro-corporatism through the state. So neoliberalism and the conservative ideology are fascist. So what are the consequences of both of these types of fascism?
0: And it's really important to note here that the two groups of people that we're talking about, the conservative mentality and the neoliberal mentality, are actually the modern-day parties. It's, it's really important to think about conservatism as literally conservatism and neoliberalism as modern day Democratic Party, the shitlips. And the moderates flow back and forth between I love cops, but I think cops need to be reined in and corporations are great, but they should be reined in a little bit. Blah, blah, blah. It, it really there's only two parties, which is on the corporation side. Yeah, your two choices are completely centered on the strong corporate power.
1: Basically, and the state power argument is just theater.
0: It's off theater. It really is. It's about who can enact what, who can who can enforce what rules, and who can get rich doing what things. Which we will talk about right now on the consequences.
1: So when you think about conservatism, when it's fully enacted, you have a state of fascism, and the most common outcome you associate with this is a dictator or an authoritarian dictatorship, something like that, where you have a, a strong man king. There's usually elements of a police state. The outcome of this type of fascism is a direct person usually through state violence. You're attempting to purge some outgroup in the minority. And the key part of this mechanic is that the majority doesn't overly advocate for it, but they're not affected because definitionally they're in the majority. So they don't do anything to prevent the purge from occurring because it doesn't affect them. In this type of fascism, corporations are used to enact the outcome with the implicit consent of the majority. So corporations are helpful to enacting this purge. And this is This is Nazi Germany. This is the Nazis. Corporations helped the Nazis enact their purges of the
0: Holocaust. Literally help them. You cannot get building materials unless it's being sold from them. I mean, literally building construction crews. I mean, we're talking about fascist Italy. Literally corporations helping out. We're talking about Argentina in the 1950s. Right, corporations were at the at the did everything they could at the whim of Argentina. In fact, the last thing the Argentine dictator did when he lost power was he nationalized all their debts because they basically helped him the entire time during the helicopter rides that all the fucking psychopathic neoliberals talk about. It's really at this point in time, this conservative and this fascism part of it is the corporations are used to control. It's a heavy-handed state. It is a little more over. I mean, I think you said like the purge occurs and that many people bitch about it, and that's that's really true. I mean, in the context of only the. United united states every major group of people that have been affected throughout the years have been the minority because they have no power and the majority takes a very long time to come around to it and what happens is everybody drags their feet and there's some complaint about it and how oh we're moving too fast we should have a debate what about the kids they say it for every single thing
1: that brings us to neoliberalism enacting fascism
0: and in this
1: scenario the majority actively supports the state whereas in conservative fascism the majority is not actively supporting what the state's doing. They're just not affected by it. So they don't care. So it's
0: a passive versus active concept. And let's dive into that one just for a second. Let's think about something like, and we're talking about states like florida the florida is just passing major fascist voting right restrictions the majority of their population doesn't give a shit because it doesn't affect them the elderly are not fighting back the majority of the shit-lib suburbanites aren't fighting back the individuals that are on the higher end of the spectrum don't care the poor depending on what class they are they're on the basically right wing they're not fighting back because they believe it's going to help them stay a majority for some reason So the majority in this case literally is passing fascist laws like you can't give out water for voting, which makes no fucking sense. It makes no sense. It makes no sense.
1: So in neoliberal fascism, purges occur through state violence like starvation and lack of access to health care. It's much more gradual and not as readily observable by the majority allegedly supporting this. It's like a boiling frog. In the context of watching somebody starve to death, what can a member of the majority do to prevent that starvation? And the answer is very little. And they don't understand that the direct consequence of their action of supporting the state leads to this starvation. In this type of fascism, you have corporations enacting the violence. So the state, who is in power because the majority supports the state, then defers authority to corporations to carry out the profitable lunch programs in public schools, the health insurance scheme to prevent people from getting access to health care to prevent diabetes, cancer treatment,
0: COVID testing. Anything, everything. Essentially, in the United States and in most capitalist countries, you've monetized every single portion of your needs and, and your pleasures. And because that's been monetized, groups of people fight for that access to pay for it. One overtly says... The, the state should stay back and let corporations run wild, right? Just get rid of regulations and those type of things. And so we end up with worse sort of deaths and we have some sort of chaos and carnage that come from it. The other says the state's going to rein in, the, the, the you with the EPA, rein in pollution, but they're still going to be able to pollute. Think of PFOAs, right? Think of all the things that get dumped in, the heavy metals. They're, they're not banning fracking. They're just saying you should do cleaner fracking. It's a much more benign death, but it's still chipping away at the fabric of people's lives, like what neoliberalism does is essentially steals years from everybody's life. Conservative fascism or conservatism may execute and kill people at random and, and see people dying or you didn't get health care and you're on the streets and whatever it is. But under neoliberal fascism we're seeing that same set of people dying. It's just spread out over a longer period of time, and that's what that's what neoliberalism does. it sheds. Years off of everybody in society, so it's collectively stealing lives, because the medicines that are available. Oh, you don't have the right healthcare. We just need to get access to healthcare for all. That's that's literally giving money to a private organization for a private organization to d- deny you healthcare, or you have to appeal for six months, and after your appeal, you're six months later and getting cancer treatment that could have helped you, or you have to wait two and a half years to get your hips replacement. So you've lived for two and a half years with opioid addiction because your hips hurt, or your back pain, or whatever happens. is what we're actually arguing in this episode to to summarize a little bit cleaner, is that under conservative fascism, you have a lot more acute violence that people can see and protest against and get angry about. But under neoliberalism, neoliberal fascism, democratically controlled fascism, the state violence is much more widespread and causes More damage overall to the population because a lot more people get affected by it because they allow corporations to not only maintain control but also control the means of access to resources. So, under conservative
1: fascism, you have the state directly committing the violence and the corporations aid them. In neoliberal fascism, the corporations are enacting violence. So, that's the key point we're making here. Both are the merger of state and corporations, but they enact it differently. And because culpability is deferred to corporations in neoliberalism, people don't understand that it's happening because it's being done under some other objective, which, as we talked about at the very beginning, is defined by the corporation. So the corporation does not give a shit about the well-being of a population. They care about profit motive. Violence is the manifestation of corporate exploitation. Corporations have an objective to exploit, and that manifests through violent acts. Very few corporations, and I'm going to actually go out and say zero corporations, have an objective to ensure society's benefit. In fact, most corporations actually go out of their way to lobby government interests and politicians to ensure that the government behaves in such a manner as to be beneficial to the objective of the corporation. Under conservatism, you have corporations advocating to have fewer regulations They want the state to be less involved, while in neoliberalism, corporations want the state to be more involved in actively tipping the balance in favor of the corporation. The state is the only entity capable of actually defending rights and keeping the population safe.
0: You know, the the state has an obligation for resource management so that we don't destroy the planet we live on. Under capitalism, though, the state has a requirement to enable capitalism because that's the only means at which we know how to trade goods and services. It's the only way that we know how to live and survive because it's the only thing that has been taught in it to us for the last 150 years is that corporations and purchasing and business is the only way that, goes, that you can that you can get food and shelter and clothing. Right. If, if, I mean, every single part of your life has been monetized. The question is, is when who's in power, who commits the most violence? And in this argument we're making, we're saying neoliberalism, which is, again, democratically controlled fascism, is more violent than when the state is the one that's completing the violence. Because you don't see the effects of it. Because over time, it's a slow degradation of your quality of life.
1: To be super clear, we advocate for no corporate
0: power. Zero corporate power. We advocate for a state without corporations. The anarcho-kitties will never, ever, ever, ever succeed. Ever. They will never, ever succeed. I don't even know how many times I can say it. Ever. They're good at burning down buildings and causing chaos, but they are not good at maintaining power at all.
1: And anarchism typically gives way to a powerful corporate state.
0: Because under anarchism, <laughs> the anarchy relies then on something to come in and fill the power void, and you end up with then a, the pendulum swinging to the other side, which is somebody will come in and control it, and that's what you end up with.
1: So, of the four ideologies we discussed earlier, two of them are fascist, and the third eventually leads to a fascist state.
0: Yes. The state rules with laws and resources, meaning that they actually have control over what it can dole out and hand out and land and all that. But corporations rule with money, with, with physically with capital. And because of that, they basically control everybody's livelihood, just like the state. I mean, I mean, between those two, the balance between the corporations and the state, they basically control 100% of your life. And corporations never have an incentive to actually concede profits to preserve anything else other than profits because that's what they're built for. So the idea that you said earlier which is they they don't have any reason to love society. And and so the real conflict in in our current society is that there there is the state that exists and the corporation exists and the conflict happens because they're both competing for resources. Literally competing for resources. Human resources, land, value, water, whatever happens to be there in literal competition because they're always in competition, there's, they're always going to be in conflict. And this is why you're going to see either group, the neoliberal fascism or the conservative fascism, constantly fight because that's the only fight that there can be. One that says that the state should carry out the violence and one that says corporations should carry out the violence. There's no other state of existence right now in capitalism or in the United States.
1: For future episodes and to learn more about the worker movement, join us at workermovement.com.